0: All right, now, Matthew, the ninth chapter. We had just been reading where Jesus had told the people, don't stick, uh, you know, new wine into old wineskins. It won't work. Talking about how people tend to get real brittle and stiff and all crusty and you can't hardly do anything different with them. Uh, and warning us not to do that. You know, let's be flexible. Stay flexible. Don't. Sometimes God does things you're not expecting and sometimes things look a little different than you'd expect. And that's fine. Uh, Let's uh, be flexible. And the Bible says, this is where we pick it up now, while he was saying this. Now, then he starts to experience this day. Now, for some reason, the uh, writers of the Gospels focus on this day. And uh, I'm sure every day with Jesus was really rather remarkable. Uh, But for some reason, they kind of really focus on this particular day. And we see several events, one after another, that they talk about. And so this starts out, while he's talking about this, a synagogue leader comes and kneels before him and says, my daughter has just died, but come, put your hand on her and she will live. Now I want you to stop and think how incredible this is. This man's daughter has just died. Can you imagine how you would feel after your little girl has just died? Most people could hardly breathe. You would be devastated. Some people even understandably would get angry at God. God, why could you allow this? How could you allow this? This is a religious man. Uh, He undoubtedly prayed. Everyone in his synagogue prayed and asked God for this little girl and she dies. And rather than being filled with dread and hopelessness, this guy immediately beats a trail to Jesus. Because he knows Jesus can change the situation. That's some pretty incredible faith. So he comes and says, my daughter's just died. Come touch her and she will live. It's a major statement in the midst of a horrible circumstance. So it says Jesus got up and he went with him and so did his disciples. So these guys all get up, they're traipsing along. They're going along with this synagogue ruler. While they're on their way... Just then, a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if I can only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Now, Matthew, that's all he really mentions here. Mark gives much more detail on this particular event. I often speak of it. It's Jesus is on his way to the synagogue rulers. And the Bible, Mark says that he's pushing through the crowd. I mean, you have to remember, at this point, Jesus was like a rock star. I mean, Everybody wanted to be around him. They were incredibly excited about him being there. Primarily because they didn't really listen to what he said. They just saw what they could get. And they were thrilled that they could get answers and people get healed. And, you know, you know, a little bit of bread he could feed 5,000 people. I mean, they thought this was fabulous. Uh, eventually, they start actually hearing what he says. And the Bible says they turned away from him by the multitudes. To the point that he turns to his disciples and said, are you guys leaving too? That's how many people said, I'm out of here. And the Bible says they left him because they said his sayings were too hard. Now, again, one of the reasons we are doing this exercise and we're going through the book of Matthew. Okay, and we're doing verse by verse is to show you what Jesus really taught and what he said. I think we've gotten away. I know we've gotten away from this. Churches all over the world, Jesus is just this warm and fuzzy guy and he'll just do everything to make you happy and, you know, it doesn't really matter. When in fact, Jesus was very strong. We have already read some incredibly ouch statements that Jesus has said. You know, we miss this. You know, oftentimes we paint Jesus as this, you know, warm and fuzzy person. Literally artists paint him, he looks like a lady with a beard, you know, you know, holding a lamb. Uh, uh, you know and unaware we just think he's just warm and fuzzy forgetting that he is God he's not messing around he's very strong when he said you if you're going to follow me you need to pick up your cross and follow me that was a major statement to these people it doesn't mean much to us because crosses are cool today I got cool shirts with crosses on them some of you got some of the prettiest little crosses around your neck this morning. This lady right here, I can see it just glowing there. a beautiful cross. And they got diamonds and all kinds of nice things. Beautiful crosses. And some of you got tattoos, crosses on your arms. They're cool. Only because of history. But at this point, a cross is not cool. A cross is a death penalty tool. It would be like Jesus coming along and saying, If you're going to follow me, you need to pick up your electric chair and follow me. Grab your hangman's noose. Come and follow me. What? That's what, when he said, pick up your cross, they're like, what? An instrument of death? I mean, this, this was shocking. He's basically telling them, look, this is going to cost you everything. Even though he's full of love and compassion and willing to forgive, don't fool yourself. You need to come open-handed to God. Let it go. Let go of everything. It was a desire to serve and follow him. Anyway, at this point, they're still on the honeymoon period. They're they're not really hearing these things. They're just excited. And uh, they're crowding around him by the gobs. And the Bible says he's pushing through the crowd. And this woman says, man, if I can just touch, I know I'll be healed. It's just like this synagogue ruler who comes and says, listen, I'll go get Jesus. Because if he touches her, I know she'll be alive. These people, I don't know how or where, but they got this faith sitting inside of them. Something most of us, quite frankly, lack. And he is seeing Jesus and saying, if I can just touch him. And she's negotiating through the crowd and he's coming. She reaches up and she touches the hem of his garment. And Mark records that immediately she's healed. And, the, and Mark says that all of a sudden Jesus stops because he could tell the power of God went out from him. And he turns around and says, who touched me? And his disciples said, Hello. <laughs> everybody's touching you. Everybody's grabbing him. Everybody wants to come out. Jesus, help me. We're all just, everybody's crying out and reaching, you want to touch him and everything else like that. And suddenly he stops in the middle. All these people grabbing him and goes, whoa, whoa, who touched me? They all thought he was nuts. He turns around and he sees this woman because he had realized that she had touched him in a way no one else had touched him. Verse 22, it says, Jesus turned and saw her take heart, daughter, he said, your faith has healed you. And that woman was healed at that moment, instantly, powerfully. Now, I've said this many times, and I'll keep saying that because we need to hear it. You need to understand that it is faith that gets God's attention. Not crying, not freaking, not panicking, not whining. What's wrong with my life? All right. If that got God's attention, everybody would get miracles, right? Right? because everybody does that yeah, my life sucks he's yeah, horrible I feel sorry for me now you say doesn't. you mean God doesn't feel compassionate no he feels compassionate in fact if you're crying and upset he's very likely to send his Holy Spirit to comfort you right and it's wonderful but let me ask you a question if you need a hundred dollars would you like it that I console you because you need the hundred dollars, or would you rather have me give you a hundred dollars? How many would vote for the hundred dollars? Oh yeah, all right. You cry, I'll console you. All right, God will console you if you're crying, you're upset. Oh, He'll console you, but you're not going to get an answer to prayer. It is not crying, whining, panicking, freaking out ah, that gets God's attention. It is faith, and every in this situation, both times, instantly is what got. God's attention. Okay, so now he continues on. He's on his way, right, to the synagogue ruler's house. It says, when Jesus entered the synagogue leader's house and saw a noisy crowd and people playing pipes. Now, this is not a party. They're not celebrating their mourning. Now, uh, you can see this today, still to this day, in Eastern culture. When people mourn in Eastern culture, it's a production. They cry, they wail. you ever seen this on TV? You know, there's someone dying, they're they're wailing. They'll take dirt and throw it on their heads and they're very dramatic and it's a big deal. That's what everybody was doing. The flute band's over, you know, but they're not jamming. They're just... Everything's sad and they're all crying. They really got into it. In fact, during this time, people used to actually, uh, if you were a good crier, you could make money. Some of you would make a lot of money. Because they they were professional mourners. That if you, especially someone of this stature, they would go and get the best criers and have them come over. And they would all whine and cry. And some people would just go, ah! they were really dramatic and that added to the groove you know so everybody was just doing you know and they're really into this thing and they're crying and they're sad and the flute band band's moaning and groaning and stuff and everything's so so awful it reminds me you know of a lot of people that's their life everything's horrible everything's like the old hee haw song you guys remember hee haw? <laughs> great show isn't it? Gloom, despair, agony on me Deep, dark depression, excessive misery If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all Gloom, despair, and agony on me there you go. That's a lot of people's song, man. It reminds me of another song. What was that other song they sang? Uh, where, oh, where are you tonight? Why could you leave me here all alone? Well, I searched the world over and I thought I found true love. You met another and <laughs> you was gone. Uh, those are great songs, man. But pretty depressing songs, I mean. His appeal to everything uh, they are the eeyores of life, you know. Cloud is always following them. Oh, bother. I just knew everything would go wrong. That's really bad, isn't it? And they're all crying. And actually the Bible tells us that people of faith should do exactly the opposite. James says, when everything's going wrong in your life... You should celebrate. You should call people over. Celebrate. Call a party. Come over to my house. Why do we celebrating? My life sucks. <laughs> Why are you celebrating? Because when it's this bad, God has to show up. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. God's going to show up. We're going to party. But no. Gloom, despair, agony on me. Jesus walks in. And I love what he says to him. To so all these mourners. Popped up there. Go away. <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? Go away. And they probably look at it like, what? Go away. You guys are bumming me out. And I'm moaning and groaning. Everything's awful and terrible. Oh, Pastor, it's horrible. Everything's horrible. Oh, life's terrible. There's people they celebrate in describing how horrible their lives are. You talk to them. It takes an hour and a half for them to tell you how horrible things are. It's horrible. It's horrible. It's horrible. Oh wait, it just got worse. It's horrible. It's horrible. It's going to be terrible. He says, go away. It's not over. It's never over. Since says, this girl is not dead. She's just asleep. In the words of the princess bride, she'd be just mostly dead. <laughs> See the movie. But the Bible says they laughed at him. Now this is a funny haha laugh. This is derisive mocking laugh. You know what you're talking about. She's dead. It's over. It's too late. It's over. It's amazing how many times I talk to people. They go through great lengths to convince me God cannot do anything because it's too late. It's too far gone. Oh, if this would have happened before, surely God would have had a chance. You know, if it would have happened earlier, there would have been something. The pastor too late. The situation's gone, it's dead, my marriage is over, it's too late, nothing can happen, everything's hopeless. Oh, boo-hoo! Have a little faith. With God, it's never too late. It's never over. So it feels like it's over, yeah, but it's not over. And that's verse 25, I love this. After the crowd had been put outside, he literally threw them out. He tells them, go away. What are you talking about? He literally, get rid of these people. It's hard to have faith when everybody's freaking out. Everybody's moaning and groaning. Look, I get it. It's natural. We all get upset. I get upset. Everybody gets upset at some point. We get mad or we cry. We freak out. And I don't get on myself for that. That's normal. It's natural. I allow myself at least a good 24-hour to 48-hour freak-out period. No questions asked. I just, but then I pull out of it. I don't stay there say, well, pastor, it's natural. Yes, it is natural. But I don't want to live in the natural. I want to live in the supernatural. I want to see God do something. You say, well, how do you get out of the natural into the supernatural? You do it on purpose. Intentionally. It's not just going to happen because some people come around you and cry and boo-hoo with you. Step out and get into faith. I remember the first time my Debbie got cancer and we were kind of reeling from it and <laughs> I just got one person after another after another come up and just gloom and doom oh it's too bad As one guy comes up you know my wife's dead you know that's how she died you know I'm, well you're really encouraging me you know <laughs> I'm like, stay away from me finally I had some people come up and say Man, we're trusting God with you I'm, oh yeah those are the people you want to hang around with, get into a place, intentionally move out of the natural. Well, That's all totally natural. But I don't want to live in the natural. You want to live in the natural? Knock yourself out. The natural bites. Not a whole lot of hope in the natural. A lot of crying, moaning, and groaning. If you're cool with that, I'm cool with that. I'll cry with you. But you want to get out of that at some point and intentionally step into the supernatural. That's when God shows up and starts changing things in your life. So he got rid of these people, got them out, locked them out. Then he goes in, he takes that little girl by the hand. Life enters her body and she stands up and everybody goes, whoa, man, I hope they have DVRs in heaven because I, I got to see some of this stuff. This is, this is, it had to be so awesome. And then news of this spread through all that land, I bet. But we're not done. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him. Calling out, have mercy on us, son of David. Have mercy on us, son of David. What did Jesus do? Just kept walking. So what does that mean? No. Remember, it's not whining and crying that gets God's attention. It's faith. One account in the Bible It says these guys are crying out and everybody's telling them, shut up. You're obnoxious. You're irritating. He hears you, obviously. He's not interested. But they wouldn't stop. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. He just kept walking. Says he goes inside and then the guys came in there. And then he looks at them and he finally says this. Do you believe I'm able to do this? Why would he say that? He could just do it. They are upset. They're crying. They're howling. We're all good at that. Apparently, that's not what's of interest. He looks at them and says, Do you believe I can do this? And they said, Yes. And then he touched their eyes, the Bible says. And according to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Boom. Instantly. They could see, because they moved out of crying and wailing into a place of faith, because it's faith that brings miracles. And then Jesus warns them, "Don't tell anybody about this." Now I never have understood that; I still don't understand it. You know, some people say, "Well, he was just using reverse psychology." I don't think he was doing that. Others say, "Well, he just didn't want them to, you know, spread too much about what he was doing, because too many people would come." But They went and did it anyway. He had to know they were going to do it. I don't know why he does this. You need someone smarter than me to explain that to you. I don't get it. But it says they went out and spread the news about him all over that region. I will say this. That apparently when God really touches your life, it's virtually impossible for you not to talk about it. Oftentimes we encourage people to share their faith. You should share your faith. Your friends. Your family. You know, talk to them, your co-workers. And oftentimes people people feel bad, boy, I never share my faith, I need to learn how to share my faith, you know. And there's an element to that, but I think oftentimes we don't share our faith with people because we just don't have a whole lot to share. Maybe you're not really sharing your faith because you're not really experiencing God the way you should. That's the power and the importance of walking in faith. If you will walk in faith and God shows up and starts doing stuff, it's really hard not to share it. You know, even the most dignified people completely lose it when they something really good happens to them. I love watching those video clips of Publishers Clearinghouse when they walk up to the door and they knock on the door and some dignified lady walks up and says, Yes, may I help you? You've just won $10 million. <laughs> She freaks out and jumping up and down. I'm sure later when she sees that on TV, she is mortified. But she can't be quiet. Why? Something really good has just happened to her. When good things happen to you, you got to talk. It's actually part of our human nature. Do you know psychologists say you can't really enjoy something until you say it? They say if you take a bunch of people and you bring them to the edge of the Grand Canyon and they see this incredible thing. You cannot enjoy it until you finally say, wow, isn't that beautiful? Isn't that amazing? You have to verbalize it, and then wow, it becomes so real. For you to stand at the foot of the Grand Canyon and walk away without saying a word is virtually impossible. Or there's something really weird with you. (laughs) You've got to say it. When something good happens, when something amazing happens, you talk. Even if you're not much of a talker, Some of you guys who are real quiet. At a minimum, you'd at least go, Wow! You know. Maybe not very articulate, but you're still verbalizing. I'm telling you, if you'll start to really experience God in your life, you will find it extremely easy to talk about it. Say, well, it's not easy for me. Well, it's probably because you're not really experiencing much of God in your life. It's not to make you feel bad, but let me encourage you. Learn to walk in faith. Learn to expect God to do things in your life. It will change everything. But that wasn't the end of it. While they were going out, one after another here, there was a man who was demon-possessed that uh, was brought to Jesus. He couldn't talk. You mean people who can't talk are all demon-possessed? No, there's all kinds of different manifestations of people who had demons, different things and stuff like that. Uh, But in this case, uh, he couldn't talk. And, uh, and Jesus um, spoke and cast out the demon. It says the demon was driven out and the man who had been mute suddenly spoke. And the crowd was amazed. And they said, nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But then some people come along. And the religious people of the day didn't appreciate it. He said, ah, he's just the, it's by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. They're just assigning it to the devil. You've got to be real careful about stuff like that to assign what God's doing to Satan. Uh, I've seen, even in our lifetime, Christians will see God doing something and they'll say, well, that's got to be a devil or something like that when God's healing people and doing things like that. That's a bad place to be. Don't be there. But don't be quick just in period to give a lot of praise to the devil. Now, I know a lot of people would not think it's praise, but there's some people that are always talking about demons. The devil did this and the devil did that and the devil did that. I always think, well, praise the devil seriously, I mean stop how about we just start celebrating Jesus don't be so demon focused people who are just absolutely demon focused everything is, you know, if a back door swings in the wind they go, that was a demon no. sometimes it's just the wind okay just relax I'm going to go, well, you know, how, how can you tell pastor, how do I know if I have a demon you, you won't have to ask that question If you have a demon, you're going to know you have a demon. Not only will you know it, everybody else is going to know you have a demon. There's one thing in the Bible. Every time someone had a demon, everybody knew it. I'll run into some really super spook Christian who says, You know, I have a gift of discernment. I can discern people who have demons. Really? Because you don't need discernment to see who has a demon. You know, this is major stuff. We don't see a lot of it in our culture for probably two reasons. One, I think people who go real crazy wind up institutionalized right away. And another thing is, the gospel is preached very freely in this country. I don't think there's a lot of that kind of stuff. Uh, you go to other third world countries where it's very dark, not much gospel. You see a lot of this stuff. Pastor Joe Greer uh, has—he's been to some of the darkest places on the on the world, uh, preaching the gospel. And it's—you fa- know—sometimes we need to let him loose and just share some of these stories. He has seen stuff that would just blow your mind and he said man we would just speak and cast out the devil and these people all of a sudden would be free people who couldn't talk would start talking people who couldn't hear could start hearing people were acting all crazy and frothing on the ground and stuff like that would all of a sudden get up they were set free people in the village would get excited and come and hear more about the gospel they'd share Jesus just like in Bible days we don't see a lot of that here because of the culture in which we live and also there's so much unbelief in this country it's hard to get people healed of a cold much less cast a demon out of them but uh But you know, you don't have to worry about these. These things are very obvious. Don't get all demon obsessed. And we're getting to that time of year when all the demon freaker outers come out, you know, because Halloween's coming. You know, oh look out! Those little kids—they could be demons knocking at your door, you know. You know, and you you can't have pumpkins. You gotta have pumpkins, you know, because demons live in pumpkins, you know. Really, where do you get that from? Uh, Seriously, they freak out because you have pumpkins and you have owls, and you got an owl. That's a demon. And and pumpkins, those pumpkin demons are everywhere this time of year. I hate pumpkin demons, you know. And they're all freaking out. Just seriously, just relax. Good grief, I am not afraid of demons. The Bible says, "Greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world." We should not be afraid of demons. Demons should be afraid of us. You walk into some place, you have to worry about demons. Demons should see you and go, oh man, let's get out of here. Here comes that person here full of God. Here's that person full of faith. Here's that person that loves Jesus. Creeps me out. These, every time Jesus came around demons, what did the demons do? They cried. They freaked. Ah! This thing of wandering around, afraid of demons and stuff. Relax. Good grief. So, Pastor, do you participate in trick-or-treat? Yes, I do why they do that? Two words. Free candy. <laughs> now you don't want to do it. Go hide. I don't care. I guess I do hide because someone says it's the devil's day. It's not the devil's day. Every day belongs to God. This is the day the Lord shall have made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I don't care if there are pumpkin demons. seriously, if there are pumpkins, first of all, it's absurd, but if there were pumpkin demons, the minute we walk into the pumpkin patch, they should just all clear out. Hallelujah. There should be this big, but there are no pumpkin demons. The People are crazy. Oh my gosh. All right. So what's the point of this message? Number one, it is Faith. That gets God's attention. Not crying. Crying is natural. I do not condemn it. Don't condemn yourself when you cry. Sometimes people feel guilty just for feeling guilty. And they spiral out of control. It's fine. We're all normal people. We're natural. Some of us are not so normal. but It's normal. It's natural. But you have to make a decision. To step out of natural into the supernatural. And that happens on purpose. Get into a place of faith. Number two, don't be negative. Don't be having anybody coming over and whining and moaning and telling everybody in the world why it's too late. Why it's gone too far. Why it's too much. Why it's over. We're all going to die. We're all going to be eating worms and dying in a corner. Stop that. Start celebrating God in your life. Number three, if you're not talking up your faith, it could be because maybe you're not really experiencing your faith. Start experiencing God, I promise you. You'll start talking about it. And then number four, don't be too quick to give Satan glory. Again, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for this incredible day that's recorded for us. Lord, after one and while another and while you're in the middle of something else, another one comes along and how you did incredible things. As people came to you in faith, trusting you. Help us to be people of faith, Lord. To believe in you. To trust you. So that we can experience God in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Bless you.